Welcome to Reputation Town. Welcome indeed. It is Warren Weeks with John Paranak, and here we are on the Reputation Town podcast. I think this is episode 10. Amazing. So we're halfway to apparently 90% of podcasts never make it past episode 20. So we're ha- we're almost halfway to the point of some sort of, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to blow through that. We're going to blow through that gap, that uh, that barrier, no problem. Nice. Um, what is happening in Paranac Land this week? Um, you know what? I it's like a, a, a super optimistic, thinking about maybe going to a restaurant. <laughs> wow, You're crazy big, man! Big things, big things. Got my vaccine appointment moved up. <laughs> oh, when when's your second one? Uh, it's going to be July 13th, I think. Oh, wow. Mine's Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah. And as I recall, you're one of the, uh, the, the AstraZeneca refugees. Yeah. The ones that, uh, they said, yeah, go out and get it. And now they're like, no, no, you shouldn't have gotten that. (laughs) (laughs) What a communications debacle. I think that, I think I might have that as one of the ones to chat about today. Uh, yeah. You know what? And of course you can get anyone. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now we have so much vaccine we want to do with it. Well, Way too much. Be like mixing drinks with it. Exactly. We'll have some sort of a COVID cocktail. Um, before we before we jump into the regularly scheduled programming, I I'm, I'm a big podcast listener, and that's you know how we actually got into this is just you near know, the the listening of them, and the I find that the 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 process for finding new podcasts is terrible. Like any of the searching program or the software is really bad. So word of mouth seems to be the best. And someone referred to a podcast to me and it was by CBC. And I'm not usually a big fan of their, their programming, like from a, from a podcasting standpoint, it's almost like overproduced, but there was a really great one that I listened to. And it was, uh, I think it's called a death in crypto land. And it was about that guy, Gerald cotton. He, um, had that uh, that cryptocurrency exchange, and he uh, died holding the 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 password mm-hmm. to the to the you know to the to all the all of the funds, and but like a quarter of a billion dollars or so. And then he'd gone off to India, and the guy was like thirty something years old, and he went off to India, and he suddenly died. And there's a lot of uh, mystery around that. And um, I have to say that that is has been an excellent podcast. Listening to the the ins and outs and interviewing all these people and friends and associates and these kind of shady characters he was involved in. And so the, the main gist, and I don't think I'm uh, spoiling anything here because it's, it's a great listen is that um, the story wasn't that simple and it turned out to be a giant Ponzi scheme and all of the money was essentially gone. So he didn't die with the password um, to a quarter of a billion dollars. He had lost a quarter of a billion dollars essentially and then just suddenly died, which 30-year-old people don't just do. And so there's a lot of uh, speculation that he is alive. And like I, I remember hearing that story, and I, I just remember thinking, that dude faked his death. Like, mm. I'm, not, I'm not a detective, but it seemed pretty obvious. And after having listened to this thing, I would put money down. Like, I'd say 80-20, the odds are that this dude's alive. Really? Totally. Are you familiar with the story? Vaguely. I remember following it at the time, and you know, the idea that, this guy died and the password for his wallet was missing. And I think it was like they hired Deloitte or somebody to Ernst yeah. Young, I think to, yeah. Yeah. to figure out what happened. One of the big consulting companies, but the timing of it is just so odd. You know, like it, everything was going to unwind and it was going to come to a head one way or another. And mm-hmm. he, he would have ended up doing a, probably a ton of time in jail. He had taught himself how to fly so he, you know, there's a mobility aspect to that, that he can get himself around in a, in a private plane or a rented plane. He had um, changed his will a couple weeks before this, this event that he died. And I don't know how many 30 year olds who have, who have a will. And he, um, what was the other thing that was really mysterious? Um, yeah, his, his body was brought to the, the morgue or the, they went to get him embalmed and it was the hotel staff that brought the body and so that like that's not that's not the typical <laughs> chain of custody, I don't think, in terms of bodies having like the the dude from the hotel drop you off. 
And uh, apparently you, you can fake your death in India. Like for 500 bucks, you can have a fake death certificate created. And so, hmm. um, and just the timing of it seems weird. So, you know, try not to be too conspiracy minded, but it's, uh, you know, whether he did die and that's sad or whether he has pulled off, may, you know, this would be one of the biggest heists in, uh, in, in financial history. It's a, uh, it's a really great listen. So I recommend people check it out. Cool. Okay, any uh, off-topic stuff you want to uh, relieve uh, yourself or unburden yourself with before we jump into the other stuff? You know what, I just, uh, in there is a podcast I actually found found recently and I've been really enjoying listening to. Again, it goes into my history nerd mode, but uh, it's a BBC podcast called You're Dead to Me. And it, it's actually fun to listen to because it the way they structure it is that for every episode, which is a different topic, for every episode, a different part of history to unpack historical figures and other events. And they have a comedian and a historian, uh, on together. And they, uh, they just really unpack some of these personalities in a really approachable way. And, um, uh, just funny, funny stories that if you like history, you'll enjoy listening to this podcast. That's fine. Is it the same people every week? No, they, like, well, the host like the is host. the same, but the historian is different based on the the topic, and the comedians are different based. They have a they've had a few back a, a few times uh, for different topics, um, but uh, it's really really enjoyable to listen to. There's actually one that I, I really was found fascinating, which was um, um, in the U.S. Um, if you now. I believe they were going to put her on the $10 bill. Um, and, and there was, um, Oh God, I think it was the $10 bill, but, um, it was, it was about one of the pioneers of, um, uh, in, in the South of, of sort of the suffrage, uh, suffrage, the, uh, emancipation movement, yeah. Harriet Tubman. Oh, uh, yeah. so, so, so the, um, this one episode I enjoyed the most was, was, uh, an episode about Harriet Tubman. Um, they actually were talking about putting her on the $20 bill in the U S but what, what I find interesting about her is that, um, not only was she a, uh, a leader in helping, um, get slaves out of, out of the Southern U S she actually was a spy for the union army in mm-hmm. the United States and was, was actually led, a union engagement into battle, um, helping a, a union ship navigate a mined south uh, southern port. Um, so it was really really fascinating person. Really really recommend that podcast. It's a lot of fun to listen to. So it's called You're Dead to Me. Sounds good. Any like name brand comedians or are they kind of like not really uh, famous folks? N- not really famous folks. There are a lot of uh, I think a lot of English comedians. Uh, oh. Some American, but. Um, but it's a fun podcast to listen to. Cool. So uh, the first one on deck today, we're going to start with the silly and kind of work our way up. Um, and this one sort of caught my eye. And um, I, I remember thinking when, when we started this thing up, like, I wonder what we're going to talk about every week. And there's like no shortage. There's just no shortage of this. Of you know, So I end up sending myself tweets or we'll be texting ourselves. And so the first one, the headline is Olympic hopeful Shelby Houlihan blames burrito for positive steroid test. And this is from uh, June 14th. And I'm reading the story from the New York post and the lead is pretty good. Hopefully it was a dang good burrito. Anyway, American track and field star received a four year ban after testing positive for uh, Nandrolone, which she blamed on a pork burrito. So, um, <laughs> This uh, her comment. There's a there's a big long um, Instagram post that she put on there. But basically, then you know yeah you, ha- you have to feel bad in a way. But we've seen this story played out so many times, and I think you know Lance Armstrong would be the highest profile one. And I was a huge fan of his, and was adamant that he was not uh, was not on steroids, and then it, it, it turns out that he was. Anyway, um, what do you think of this one? Blaming a burrito for your steroid test. The the thing that struck me about this is it. I don't know if this is a rule of thumb, but I'm going to make it a rule of thumb. If you need to apologize for something, if you have to go on for seven paragraphs about a burrito being the result <laughs> of the thing that went wrong, chances are it's probably not the burrito. Like it, and choose something better than a burrito if you're going to pin it on something. I don't know. Like I, I don't want to seem crass, but um, or 
harsh, but is it po- more, isn't it possible more, though? Isn't it possible it's the burrito? I suppose like, it is possible, but like I, I just I think <clears throat> you know to me if this was the first story like this, I think people would be more likely to give her the benefit of the doubt. But we've again we've been through it so many times, and so it almost doesn't matter who the athlete is. It's just we've been down this road, and the the just the the emotional just people saying like it wasn't I never did it. I love this sport. And it turns out like three months later, yeah, it kind of did it. And then they apologize. And I think there's a lot of that built up over time. And so, you know, when this kind of thing happens and, and like you said, yeah, they're, it's kind of protesting too much. That's a, re, it was a really long apology yeah. too. So, I hope you know, it and, and who knows what actually happened, but if you have to apologize for something, keep it simple. And these long winded explanations probably don't build your credibility in the eyes of people you're trying to convince like what i would do yeah and you always think okay so if that's your excuse why don't you go to the place where you got one and go have it tested Mm -hmm. and and see if it tests positive like like that's a pretty that's a pretty easy way to figure this out yeah exactly because they're shoving steroids like i'm not a farming expert but they're shoving steroids in these animals so it's you know i guess it's possible but um, you would you would think that it would be pretty easy to test your test your burrito. I don't really even know who would do that. Bring it to some private lab and and you know, maybe that's been done. Like it seems pretty obvious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. who knows? You know, maybe it should be proven that it was the burrito and and uh, <laughs> it be well, four clear, year ban though. That's not that's not uh, insignificant. No, it's not. And you know, especially when you think about the the limited time that an athlete has to compete at that level, and you know the Olympics and whatnot that are coming up. Okay. So still in the world of sports, one of the teams that, uh, oh man, the, the Montreal Canadians have dispatched with is the Winnipeg jets four games straight. And the captain of the jets, Mark Shifley was, uh, it was a pretty vicious hit that he laid on, um, uh, Jake Evans at the end of the game, empty net goal. If you've seen the video, it's, it's pretty, pretty sickening to watch because this this kid that he that he nails like so uh jake evans goes down the ice there's a just a very you know small amount of time left in the game maybe a couple seconds he pops the puck in the net on the left side of any comes and spins around and as he does shifley just drills him right in you know full body but also gets his head and the kid's out out like a light before he hits the ice and you know big scrum ensues and uh a four game suspension. And it always fascinates me. You know, we talked about that, uh, that tennis player, uh, Naomi Osaka last time. And, you know, every, anytime they're, they're interacting with, with, the, with the media, they athletes tend to not be very good at this. And this, his, his, uh, I don't know if it was an apology, but it was a statement. So he's sitting there taking, um, questions from the journalists and his, uh, he ended up getting into, you know, fighting back tears as he detailed the the hate that his family has received, and he he took uh, took some shots at the league for um, for for punishing him and for for uh, for suspending him. And basically, you know, I thought I was going to be I thought I was going to be taken out by uh, you know one of the players on the other team, one of the defensive players, but I ended up getting taken out by by the NHL or by the league. Um, I know you're you're a big follower of hockey and uh, and and all, obviously the reputation stuff. What did you make of his his comments uh, from a reputational standpoint? I just think it's total bullshit. Like he he doesn't take <laughs> accountability for anything, and he even goes on to say uh, a couple. I'm going to pull out a couple of things. First off, he says, "I don't want to be a distraction to the team." You know, guess what? You just basically <laughs> not, <laughs> took yourself out of the series, so you're a distraction. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to accept the punishment, uh, which he doesn't really because he's complaining about it. And he also goes on to say, uh, this is the, the this is the one that got me the most. I can accept the accountability. Actually, no, you, you aren't because you're basically saying the league took you out, not my actions took me out. And uh, he's not talking at all about what he's done to his own team. He, he does complain about how um, his family's been subjected to a lot of online abuse, mm-hmm. which is awful. And I certainly wouldn't want to anyone to endure that. But again, like the reason it's happening is not because 
you know, the league did something to his family. He put himself in a position where this is, this is all happening from that, that action he undertook. So to me, this like, is everything in here is just the, the absolute wrong thing to do. And the guys, isn't he the captain? He's like, he's a, he's a captain on the Winnipeg Jets. You'd think the captain would show more, more leadership than he's showing. So I think this is, this is like a, an example of what you don't do. Even though you might feel all this inside, there's the difference between what you feel inside and what you what's the right thing to do for for your your uh, you and your role as a leader, your team and your family. Yeah, especially as a, as a as a teammate. What, what did you think of the hit itself? I th- I know that people have different opinions on this. I thought it was like just, it was like a retaliatory hit. It wasn't a hockey play. It was, the guy had already scored, and he was he was you know it was a charge. Under any definition, it was a charge, and and the kid wasn't even looking in that direction because he was looking at putting the puck in the net, and it just was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a hockey play. Mm. What onus is there on the the kid, the you know Evans, to to have your head kind of up? Not to blame the victim here, but like if he's if and I found it curious that he. You know, again, I'm not a hockey player, but I found it curious that he just he tucked the puck in and then swung around the net, kind of blinded. Why wouldn't you just pop it in and you know, like it just seemed to be a weird way to do it. I guess so, but it's one thing if you're skating up the middle of the ice and don't yeah. have your head up. But I think in this case, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I would put much much um of the blame, if any, on him. So his quote is uh and this is a different one. I, th- I think it was, I thought I was going to be tried to be shut down by Philip Deneau. Instead, it was the Department of Player Safety that shut me down. So that definitely sucks, he said. And then he said, I think at the end of the day, you regret the outcome of it. I said that over and over. You never want to see a guy get hurt. And I'm a guy who respects the game and respects players. Um, talking, sort of defending himself. And then he said, I would love to have an answer from the Department of Player Safety of what would have been a better thing to do. I've replayed the thing over and over in my mind, and the only real th- thing is if I gave up on my teammates on the play and I just didn't back check. Like, that sounds That's a little... Bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> so much bullshit. I like, played it over and over in my mind. and there were, Like, what else could I do? What else could I do? Stick lift. <laughs> what a stick lift. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. It just seems pathetic, is what it is. What it seems. Mm. Um, now here, here's a, here's a thought, and you know, we we tell people never answer speculative or hypothetical questions. But what what if he comes down the ice and he drills? You know, the player's looking. He looks up, sees the hit coming. They hit each other. The kid falls down, but gets back up, and then he's cheering because he scored the goal. What happens then? Do we have a four game suspension then? That's a good question. I think I think in a way they're 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 suspending the result instead of the actual play in in a way. Probably not, but you know I I think it's <clears throat> like the event that happens the hit is is the whole continuum of um him hitting the player and then what happened to the player afterwards. And but it, but in a way it, it's the result. Like the kid, yeah, we call you keep calling him the kid. Jake Evans is on the ice out cold. And, and they stretched them off after that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, they stretch for everybody off these days. If you, like, you know, <laughs> the good old days, you'd like these to play on broken legs and score the winning goal on a broken leg. Those are the, the, the golden days of hockey. Exactly. There was a lot of like that. I remember there, there was a, there was a Teddy Roosevelt once got shot in the middle of his speech and continued his speech. <laughs> they probably wouldn't do that today. That's a badass. <laughs> And then, um, and then Paul Maurice, I don't know if you saw, uh, Sault Ste. Marie boy, got to say, mm-hmm. shout out to Paul Maurice. He um, came out and sort of defended his player. Not, mm-hmm. it was a little bit more structured. It was, bit, it was, it was yeah, it was pretty tepid. But you want to see, you want to see your coach kind of have your back, I guess. Um, and I don't know, but it, it's, uh, I, I think that if he doesn't, who knows, if, if, if that hit doesn't happen, the suspension doesn't happen, maybe the, changes the outcome of, of that, uh, of that series. Cause you know, the, the Canadians of every team they've played so far, the captain's been knocked out <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> except Vegas, but it's all, we're only two games in. So, yeah. <laughs> and I got to ask you predictions on this series. I'm sorry. The NHL has asked me to stop predicting <laughs> in this NHL season. In this series, 
Yeah, Montreal oh. and Vegas. They're tied one game each. I think they, they played tonight. Uh, well, Vegas should win. They should. They should just dispatch them. So handily. they said Winnipeg was going to clean the floor with them as well. Well, the, that stopped though when Shifley took took his he 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 took his whole team out of the playoffs. Uh, but no, I think you know Vegas is a, such a deep team, and mm. they they switched they turned flipped a switch in the middle of that Colorado series and just became dominant. So they should, assuming they keep can play that way, they should clean up with these guys. I can just picture Dennis just yelling at his phone right now. Oh my god! I just don't, <laughs> he's walking down the trail. What I just don't want to have happen is I just don't want to have happen. Like yeah, some sort of stars align and they're, Montreal they're wins during the finals, and then whatever happens. Every team is well, not everyone now is, but they basically like seven wins away, and yeah, I, it reminds me of '93 a little bit. Like the team, mm. rem, like it's. It's, it's improbable. It's happening. You know, they just keep rolling along. They're playing good hockey. I just not, not a, obviously not a fan, but uh, I don't know. I think maybe we're obsessing too much about this. Maybe, maybe, okay. but I think the apology stuff is, 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 is relevant because you see this happen. You see this kind of approach happen in other circumstances beyond, beyond sports, right? You see corporate people take the same approach where uh, it's, it's a, not an apology. They they say a bunch of words that come out that seems like an apology, but actually isn't. Right. Um, <clears throat> which one? Now we have like five or six topics to go through. I'm just figuring which one do we want to spend the most? Like, the, what's what's the meat in the sandwich here? Um, I, I, there's there's kind of a little one. Like, did you see Roger Waters' comments about Mark Zuckerberg wanting <laughs> yeah. to use uh, another brick in the wall? I did. Yeah. And so we, and we were having a chat beforehand, like, can we use audio clips in a podcast as long as we're critiquing them or, or talking about them, discussing them? I'm not sure what the answer is. And so, um, at the risk of getting, getting our, our episode pulled, like, we'll see if we can, can put them in, but for anyone who, who hasn't seen it, can you kind of paraphrase for us what the situation was and what Roger Waters said? Okay. So Roger Waters got an email from Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook asking if he would consent and be paid handsomely to use, uh, what's it, another, um, another brick in the wall part two, uh, as part of a, a, a video that Facebook was doing on the growth of Instagram or something. And, um, and I guess the, the other thing to note is that Waters is looks like he's speaking on a panel of, yeah. of, of people and he's sort of saying, you know, sort of waving this piece of paper. I've just received this email a uh, telegram. from Mark Zuckerberg asking me to, to use uh, if he can use our song. And, my, and he basically just says, F you. Uh, <laughs> no way can you use my song. But he actually and, like says the full. The oh, yeah. Full, no, he's he. Yeah. he, he I can't remember the the exact context he is, but yeah, it was a very colorful. <laughs> well, then he went on to say, um, you know, how can this little so-and-so continue to censor us all in this room? You know, like, and he starts out with this website, like, oh, she's pretty. We'll give her a four out of five and she's ugly. We'll give her a one. And he just, how did he get any power in anything? And here he is, one of the most powerful idiots in the world. This is what this is a quote to, uh, that he that he gave during this panel. So I don't think they're going to be using the song. And uh, <laughs> what, what what do you make of this? It's got to be kind of embarrassing for for Facebook on a, on a pretty, you know, that's a that, that's a pretty big burn in public. And it was one of the trending topics on Twitter the other day. Well, just overall reputationally, Facebook has some obviously like the tuck, there's a perceived toxicity around the company. And in particular, around the leadership that makes it really, really hard for them to move forward on this kind of stuff they want to move forward on. And, you know, I don't know. I think I think actually there's probably a great reckoning coming with how these companies are regulated in the U.S. And of course, Mm -hmm. we're here in Canada, so that'll that'll impact us indirectly. But um, I I think that reckoning is going to mean that fun if, if these if there is some fundamental way these companies can operate especially the way like the way that a company like facebook is a great example because you know there's a great antitrust case to be made to say things like uh whatsapp 
Instagram and Facebook shouldn't all be bundled together because of the anti-competitive nature um, in the marketplace and the dominance they exert. And Facebook is also famous for just copying features off other, other programs and killing competing um, uh, competing services and apps either by buying them or just stealing their, you know, stealing and cloning them. Like the, how long did it take Facebook to clone clubhouse, right? Clubhouse is just sort of yeah. a 10 seconds. Well, on Twitter did as well. Yeah. And uh, Spotify yeah. is now, and they're all arguably improving on it as well. Indeed. Um, but uh, competition is a good thing and innovation can happen better if there's a, there's more competition. So anyway, back to your point about, you know, um, what this, you know, what, what this means, I think it, it just shows like it, even, even what seemed like a simple private overture turned into a big public embarrassment. And as a company, how can you, how, how do you fix that? Well, in this case, it's, it's so tied to the executive that it's not easy to fix. Such a huge company. Like I was talking to my kids about this the other day. Obviously, they're you know big users of Instagram and all their friends and stuff. But Facebook is like if it was a country, it would be by far the biggest country in the world in terms of users. And here you have this guy who's in his 30s who's running it, arguably one of the handful of most powerful people on the planet and doesn't seem to have a really great moral compass. And uh, that's troubling. And so... To see uh, a, a very famous and influential musician, uh, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing in terms of these comments and knew the, the, the press worthiness of them. And maybe this is the only really only real way to get back because uh, you, know, you can't attack him from a, from, a, from a sort of corporate standpoint. You can't attack him from a monetary standpoint. He's one of the wealthiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. But you can attack him from a reputational standpoint. And I think there are a lot of people who were applauding those comments and he even said like i think you're missing the whole point of the song right like it's and then you see if you see the video there's these faceless kids on this like conveyor belt and they go into this big meat grinder is this is this the image you want for your social media platform and i think <laughs> he was thinking pretty literally about the the lyrics of the song <laughs> oh on, on a side note you, you know that video right you've seen it yeah i um showed it to my kids. I was trying to educate them on music. And so I, we used to have these YouTube Saturday nights. We'd sit down and have some popcorn and we'd go through artists and I'd introduce them to, you know, he's the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. This is Michael Jackson. This is U2. And, and I showed them this video and they were, this is like maybe five or six years ago. And I, I think I was a little young because they keep mentioning <laughs> it. And like, why would you have shown us that? We couldn't sleep for three Nightmares. days. After that. So I think I maybe, maybe jumped the gun on the, on the maybe. Pink Floyd. Well, who hasn't done that really? When you think like. <laughs> but you know to, to your point about facebook when you okay if you just look at facebook itself it's like a, over a billion users in the world i think people never don't don't appreciate how pervasive whatsapp is especially in the non-english speaking world and how how on people's phones uh and across the world so many users use that like i'm sure it's over a billion on that platform at least as well it is it yeah. is a huge 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 um ecosystem and uh i think it's just ripe for for breakup and that's what you're seeing in the u.s with now a greater interest in in uh, antitrust regulation and you know just having in the biden administration people appointed that are going to be uh, not necessarily friends they're going to be skeptics of of big tech so it'll be the next couple of years is going to be very interesting on that front um, next up, and this is just kind of on the fly. This is something that I saw this week, and I'm hoping you did as well. Did you see the uh, the Blue Jays pitcher um, when he kind of was complaining? You called out his teammate after you missed a play. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. So uh, I didn't watch the game again. I haven't been following baseball too closely since you know before the pandemic. But uh, Ross Stripling is the uh, pitcher for the Blue Jays, and there was a, a play the other day when um, one of his uh, the third baseman was supposed to make a pretty basic play and he didn't do it. And then the pitcher, you can just see him losing it on the mound. He's kind of like, ah! like he's like, you know, kind of blaming the guy, which you're not supposed to do in, in sports. And so um, I have to say that he, he sent out a tweet 
apologizing for it. And let me see. There was a guy named Ben Verlander who said, I hate this. Never show up your defenders ever. And he has like the video clip of the pitcher doing it. And then, so here, and the reason I bring it up is from the apology standpoint. And to, to your point earlier, you don't need seven paragraphs to talk about a burrito. So Ross Stripling, he, at Ross Stripling on Twitter says, agreed, completely embarrassed about it. Apologize to Joe individually and the team will never happen again. And then young ball players be better than this. That's great. It's pretty good. It's really good. It's, it's, it's genuine. It's a point. It's not a bunch of excuses. Puts it behind. And in the cancel culture era, it's nice to see, like to me, that's, you know, it happened. It's embarrassing. You deal with it. You move on. And, um, that to me, you know, short, sweet, great apology. It doesn't need to be a book. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, The one that you had sent, sent over to me was about uh, CBC and Facebook with the comments. Do you want to kind of just yeah. give a little synopsis of Actually, that? Actually, this goes back. It's a good, it's a good uh, co- uh, companion to the Facebook thing we were just talking about. So I, I have to notice that um, Brody Fenlon, who used to be a journalist at another outlet, I think, but at any rate, he's at CBC and I think he's got one of the leadership positions there on, on the editorial side. They've decided that they're as a test, they're going to uh, turn off Facebook comments on their news posts for the next month to see, to see, um, I guess just what kind, of, what kind of impact it has to traffic and the type of discourse that happens and so on and so forth. And the, I noticed there was a lot of discussion online and some people were making light of it. Others were taking it more seriously because, you know, be honest, there's a lot of vitriol and nonsense that happens on these posts. I think it was an interesting uh, point of discussion because to me, this idea of having discourse attached to stories, this is a very like late 1990s concept. Remember when, when news news websites first started in earnest back in the day and this idea was, Oh, you're going to have the news and then you're going to have this dialogue below the news, but people are going to be this great community discussion. Anyway, as we know, it, it devolves into how that work out into what? How did that work out? It, it doesn't, it, it, it just, it's yeah. a total shit show, right? It, you look at any of these posts and it devolves into just nonsense. Well, it's like a little mini Twitter ecosystem on each news story, or it's like spam posts or it's trolls just, you know, yeah. Using it as an opportunity to, to troll. And, I think that's actually a great idea. If somebody wants to have a conversation about a story, they can post it on their social platform of choice and have a discussion with their followers about it. I don't. I think the the utility of having uh, having this discussion on the the posts that the news outlet posts is is really low, if if not non-existent. Like I I really think this is just going to be an upside for the organization. Never mind the fact that somebody probably has to moderate those things and. Like what a waste of time. So I think yeah. I think in the end it's going to be a, a good a good outcome. It doesn't mean there's not going to be d- debate and discussion about news stories. It's just not going to be on the on the um you know the news outlets uh, platform directly. What what, what was well, your thought about it? And it's not even on their platform. It's on their Facebook page. On their page, like, yeah, yeah. So a couple a couple of questions come to mind. First of all, like the comment sections on news sites are. You know, like I have to say, New York Times has, has been, you know, the comments in after the stories are like pretty thoughtful, like 70% of them. But, and you know, then you, you have some, some real wankers in there as well. But mm-hmm. on the whole, the comments section for, for any news site is a cesspool. And you get the, the angriest, saddest, squeaky wheels. Every town has this, this group, the, you know, the crackpot brigade and not just to, to, to generalize, like you do get some thoughtful people and some nice, some nice commentary in there. But for the most part, it's just people venting, screaming. They don't use their real names. Their avatar is a cat or Darth <laughs> Vader or something. And they make these, these comments that, that don't add to, to, to the discussion. But like, to me that it's not, that's not the biggest point of this. Like to me, the biggest one is why is CBC on Facebook at all? Why are you relying on this 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 entity that is 
you know, is it, is it, if you can't beat him, join him? Because, um, you know, everyone, especially in Canada from a media perspective is, is complaining and whining that Facebook and Craigslist and all these companies have stolen all these advertising dollars from them. So what are you doing on their site in the first place? If you, if you really want to make a statement, take everything off Facebook and just, you know, send it out through your own, your own channels and your own platforms. So I think that speaks to the, the, you know, what the real power of Facebook is. Like, I don't think they can compete without it. So, the distribution potential of this platform is so intoxicating or so necessary that, that they need it. So the comments isn't even the, the real piece. Like one of the other things that stood out to me is we're doing it for a month. We're going to do it for a month for a trial. And I found that odd. Like, so are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And after the month, I would suspect that what they're going to come out with in 30 days is they're going to say, you know, after a rigorous study of the of the what, this experiment over the past month, we have come to the conclusion that it is for the betterment of our audience and blah blah blue to to, uh, to 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 continue to block comments. I think that's where they're moving with this, but they didn't want to do it all at once, so they're doing it in this these weird staggered steps. Again, prediction could be wrong, but I just I get a feeling that that's where they're going. But they didn't want to do it all at once, and so they're kind of getting like just. Uh, just like leaking it out in little stages, which uh, it's is a pro- it's a process. Accurate. If you don't really, don't want to make the decision on one fell swoop, you, you yeah, you take a phase approach, do a test, we'll evaluate it, be thoughtful about it, and decide. You know what? It's better for it. But your point is right. Like they they need the traffic that the site delivers to their uh, delivers to CBC.ca. I'm sure, and and so pulling right off the platform is probably not going to be in the cards at all. It really shows you who's in charge here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's no, it does. Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, and and the other thing, another piece that stood out to me with this one, um, oh, just lost my train of thought. What was it? Editing, <laughs> another editing opportunity. As we get older, we're gonna have more, more of these like, Joe, Joe Biden moments <laughs> as we're going through. Um, speaking speaking of like, have you seen some of his press stuff lately? He, oh god, just I don't, like I right don't, out, right out to lunch. I don't like watching it because. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And I, and I, I, like, not that I just want to see him do an acceptable job so that we don't spiral back into, um, totalitarian, totalitarian populism zone. <laughs> Cause I think it's probably not good for the world if, if that happens again. And right. I just, I just want to see him to just, just do good enough that it doesn't turn into a disaster. And I, whenever I watch those news conferences, I'm just holding my breath. He's pretty early into his term. I don't know. It's not looking good. It's like one of those, like, I hate to say it, but you know, people age differently and the guy's been through enough trauma in his life that, uh, I'm, I'm sure it hasn't been easy, but sometimes people hit a certain age and there's, it seems like the, the, the aging process accelerates. And I kind of feel yeah. like that happened with him in the last, he's doing years. it all at once. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to mention about the CBC thing is that I believe, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here from the the, the thing that that Brody Fenlon guy had written, but it was basically like, you know, journalists have feelings and, you know, some of these comments are really mean and, you know, it hurts their feelings. It Like, it, that's not exactly that was what so he was stupid. saying, but I, like, I that was basically that. what we're saying. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, like, I did, just didn't hear what you were saying. I was saying that it's just so stupid to say that. Well, I don't know why they said that. Like, they're just asking for someone to troll troll all over them. By you know, starting to talk about your feelings and what makes them look soft? Yeah, like, like maybe- this is supposed to be a profession where and you know, okay, so there's definitely a line. Like I've seen you know the, the the people shouting at female reporters, the people chasing reporters down, and the enemy of the people, and and kind of assaulting them and stuff. Like that's that's crazy behavior. But in the middle, there's a whole like if you're going to be part of this profession, you are going to be up for for ridicule and scrutiny and. And people, um, you know, shouting their opinions at you, and so, and the and in the comment section, like I said, it's it's become a cesspool. So, I, like, I'm not sure what the value is, but to say that you know, it's for the mental health of our of our reporters is is it just it sounds a little sounds a little soft. Well, maybe that's an internal message that you need to needed to deliver internally, but it's not the one I would have delivered externally. It just opened them up for I, the the people I saw making fun of them were because of that. And the last piece is people complaining you're killing freedom of speech by that getting just, rid of the comments. That just drives me nuts, right? 
No one is stopping you from saying something. If you want to say something stupid about the CBC story you just read, then post it on your Facebook page and say the stupid thing you were going to say. We're saying something stupid about it right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right here. I, I have no shortage of stupid things to say. Start a podcast. You can say whatever you want. But, but Almost. You it's, can't, it's not in Canada. Yeah. You can't say whatever you want. No one's, no one's muzzling you. Like <laughs> Freedom of speech is not, yeah. I get to say whatever I want. You know, on every place and every platform, I want to say it. Uh, I have to say, though, like the uh, especially on Twitter, I've had more enjoyment uh, in this past year from the comments than I have from the actual original. Like the the original tweet is like, oh, that's pretty good. But then the comments, there's gold in there. There's some really, really interesting and funny people. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay, what is up next? Let me take a peek. Um, okay, there's a couple. One, did you see the HBO Max uh, situation? They sent out that test email by accident to to a bunch of their audience. I did. I, well, I didn't see it at the time, but I, when you sent me the link, I, I took a look. And, well, I want to hear your thoughts on it first. Okay, so I'll, if for anyone who, it's not a huge story, but it just happened to be something that I saw. So HBO Max, and I have to say, I don't understand how all of this works. HBO, HBO Max, HBO, some other HBO um, like I think I have HBO and then I go to try to watch something and I have to rent something else. And like, it's, it used to just be HBO. You watch the Sopranos. Now it's like nine different things. and I don't really understand how it works, but HBO max help uh, sent out this tweet yesterday and says, we mistakenly sent out an empty test email to a portion of our HBO max mailing list this evening. We apologize for the inconvenience. And as the jokes pile in, yes, it was the intern. No, really. And we're helping them through it with a heart. And at right now, it's uh, 61,000 likes, 10,000 retweets, 2,700 comments. And uh, I'd like to, and again, where where I'm interested in is a lot of the comments because I think some some people specifically in the PR world have really nailed it. So what's your your take on this? So it's not... I don't think it's so when you think about the construct of the statement here, so they're saying, oops, made a mistake. We apologize. And then they try and like pivot this for some humor and levity, but it's not really funny making the person who is the least powerful, the butt of the joke, right? Even if it was the insurance fault, it just, it's the wrong place to put the, the attempt at humor here. And I, there's a lot of good-natured people who are responding uh, to the comment, but um, I don't know. It, it, like, it's it's one thing to be self-deprecating, but it's not self-deprecating when you're blaming it on the the least powerful person in the room. Yeah, it's that that's the part, and I think they thought it was kind of cute and hip. Yeah. And um, there's a, a woman that I follow online, Ashley Ashby, and her comment, <clears throat> it shows up as the top reply on mine. It was a lack of checks and balances masked as an intern's mistake. You're guiding them through. Wow. And people wonder mm. why new professionals often have poor self-esteem, gaslit and patronized or patronized and expected to be grateful for the quote unquote support for mistakes that aren't even their fault. Thought that nailed it. Yeah, that's a great, that is, that is a great, uh, a great response to it. Because it's true. Okay. So hey, but been, you know what? And and this um, obviously was not a big deal, but it's not. This is not the like. It's. I am think. I actually think using humor can be really powerful at times. But this isn't the way to do it. <laughs> so people should take this as a as a formula. And not everything needs to be an Oreo moment yeah you know like you could have just said we sent out a this thing by mistake we apologize for the inconvenience and that's it yeah you don't have to like blame anybody and make a little hashtag and try to make it cute and uh and maybe it wasn't the intern i don't know but like it, it sounds if and I, if if i were that person i'd feel i'd feel horrible about it but i just think like not everything needs to be uh like a boardroom uh social media strategy yeah yeah so I've been wondering where to slot this one in, um, and might as well might as well get to it. It's kind of a weird one, but <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, God, and so <laughs> uh, I thought we'd heard the last of this guy. I have to say, uh, he's he's got a he's got a pair on him for showing back up in in the public uh, in the public domain. Um, so people will remember. I think he wrote for the New Yorker, and you know you've seen him all over the place. He's a pretty recognizable guy. And um, the the story is that during a Zoom call with some colleagues, this is like I think last year at some point, he um, 
how would how would you how do you characterize what what would happen? It's become a verb now. Like he tubed on, <laughs> on Zoom. I guess he decided that this is a good opportunity to <laughs> self pleasure during a meeting <laughs> on camera. On camera. On a, and so yeah, I don't think oh, he tended ahead. to be on camera, but yeah. Like, but at any rate, like, w, so WTF? It's a, so he gets uh, he gets fired from from his job. And at the New Yorker and people are like, oh, like, you know, like what, like you said, WTF. And he goes away. And I remember thinking just because of the nature of it and just, you know, the, the embarrassment and, you know, who knows what the, the backstory is, um, you know, different, you know, the pandemic, mental health, who knows? You have to give people a bit of a uh, bit of leeway, but like, it was just, it's a pretty big misstep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think anybody would be, would be horrified. And I, I pretty much thought like, you know what, that's the last we're ever going to see this guy. And then, Last week, he pops up on CNN, and um, this is, and this fits right into the whole uh, the wheelhouse of you know reputation management and the apology and everything else. And so, there's a uh, a, a guy sends out a tweet last week. Curtis Hauk is it looks like his name is <clears throat> breaking. Jeffrey Tubin returns to CNN and will continue as their chief legal analyst, despite having masturbated on a Zoom call. Speaking to Allison Camarota. He explains that he wasn't thinking very well or very much, and it was something that was very inexplicable to me. And so this video clip, and just from this one guy's um, tweet, has like a, like almost a million views. And I want to, and this is the part where you know we might run into copyright issues, but I'd like to play this little clip because the way they set this up, I find, I find odd. And I'd like to, I'd like to play this. And I'd like to get, uh, we can just kind of hash it out a little bit, but, and you know, everyone's going to have opinions of, of whether he should be there, whether he shouldn't and how they handle it. But I'd like to get your take on this little exchange between the two of them. Let's bring in CNN chief legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin to talk about this and more. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while indeed. I feel like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. I'll do the honors. <laughs> Help yourself. Okay. Um, in October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there, and you since then have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. Okay, so let's start there. Okay. Um, to quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much, and um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. But, I mean, that, that, is, part of, that, that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly confess. Um, trying to be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly am going to continue to do, working on a new book about the Oklahoma City bombing. But I am trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. All right. What do you what do you make of that? I don't know why they felt then like I think it would have corp from a corporate strategy. Like maybe it would have had like somebody somebody do a segment without him where we talked about the corporate decision to bring him back on and here's the context of it. And here's why we decided we want to bring him back on. Uh, I just find it really odd that they had this big discussion with him about it. Um, it wouldn't just have that without him and then have him on in the context of talking about legal stuff again. Like they kind of, they kind of just brought the whole issue up again. Um, and made it more top of mind uh, after seven months of it not being top of mind. I, I just, I find it really weird. They approach it this way. What did you think? How would you, what do you think would be the, the better way to do it? 
I think I would have had like the whatever the equivalent on CNN is like the editor, the producer go on one of the shows and and talk about how we're going to have this have Jeffrey Tubin back on again as our legal correspondent or whatever he's called and here's why and and uh you know here's why I think he's going to he's going to be a value to our organization, the viewers and maybe any kind of context about the incident then and then just have him on later on at a different a different time and talk about a subject that's a legal subject that he want his comment on and not essentially have a do over of the whole thing that <laughs> caused the embarrassment in the first place. But then if they just bring him on and they don't really, you know, they don't address it with him, are we do we attack that? Do we say like, you know, he should have, you know, uh, he should have owned up to it like I, I don't know, it's kind of hypothetical. I, you know, I've watched it a couple of times. I, the first time I watched it, I'm like, what, what's happening? Why is this woman doing like, why, why? are they making her do this? <laughs> I was having that thought in I my felt head as you so, played it. Doesn't it? So. <laughs> I felt so bad for this woman. Like why she didn't do anything. Why, why are you why subjecting her to this? She has to go. She has to say all the most awkward stuff. And then he's like, yeah, you know, you got it. Like help yourself. Like, like he actually said, she said, I guess I'll do the honors. He's like, yeah, help yourself. She did the hard part. Yeah. I think. That's true. She even the way the way she got out the word masturbate, it was kind of like just she was just like forcing it out. I just felt so, I felt badly for her, and I'm like, why, why, why are they making like if you're gonna have him do it, like have him do it? Hello, America. I'm Jeffrey Tubin. You may remember me from you know seven and a half months ago, and go through it and 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 just describe the thing, own up to it. It was, uh, I just I, I it felt and it felt a little scripted also, like mm-hmm. from the CNN. Okay, how are we going to manage this? And the Jay Leno reference. Do you do you remember what that's from? Yeah, it was Hugh Grant, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Hugh Grant. And so I almost think like bringing in the Jay Leno reference, they're trying to put it in the category of oh, you silly guy, what were you thinking? You know, like just putting it in because everyone. That one was handled so well, mm-hmm. and and Hugh Grant kind of like turned it into this silly. It was a really awkward thing, and he turned it into this silly moment. And I think they're almost trying to to uh, to piggyback that a lot, mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit with just the reference to it. And and the other thing that comes to mind is like, how much do they love this guy? Like, how much do you need this guy? Like, is there no other lawyer? Is there no other analyst that you can have on? Like, you have to go through this awkwardness and put this poor woman through through this 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 charade and and to 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 bring him back i just i I thought like wow they must he must have a really good friend on that staff in the the producer ranks he must so so odd Uh, certainly not the way i would handle it but 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 from an apology standpoint how do you think how do you think it was like once she stopped talking and he did his little piece how do you think he did i don't know it's it's kind of all muddled to me does, does he really need to apologize to the public? Like he had to probably apologize to the people who were on that zoom call. Who, um, I'm sure he did that. Yeah. I, I would but, hope. Uh, and you know, you, apologize you, to his uh, empl- other, like he had multiple employers here, right? Um, CNN and, and the New Yorker magazine. Uh, it just, it's a very awkward um, situation. They, they, they constructed to bring him back on TV and um, I don't know. I find it hard to separate the apology from the, just the overall awkwardness of the whole situation. It was a weird. It was a weird little two minute clip. Yeah, yeah. And I feel bad for the like. I don't know why she had to do that. Yeah, that that is a excellent reflection. That someone pulled. She pulled the 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 short straw. Or like I you know, I would love to have been in the meeting where they figured out how that was going to roll out. And she was probably like the hell I am. <laughs> I don't know. Or may, I don't know. Like I shouldn't, you know, I don't know this woman. I don't, I don't want to speculate about what she was thinking, but I just remember thinking, you know, I've got sisters. Um, I've been surrounded by women my entire life in my family. And just, I, I, I found that really awkward. I found that kind of like almost as uh, problematic as the original allegations. It's a really you know good I mean? point. Like it, it is really weird. Um, and I think finally the, you kind of touched on it earlier about the whole AstraZeneca thing, um, that, and what's this organization, NACI, 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 NACI from Canada, like they've, they have had, I'll, I'll Google the acronym just so I make sure that I get it right, but they have had a series of communications bungles over the last couple of months and and uh, it really highlights the importance of communication, particularly 
in a pandemic when people are relying on this information and the little tweet or thing that you say might be the difference between them getting the vaccination or not and and ultimately saving a life. So I'm sure you've seen this story and it's not their first brush with controversy. What did what did you think of it? Well, it's, yeah, it's a National Advisory Committee on Immunization, NACI, and I guess it's a it's a it's a group of scientists who are, you know, tasked by the federal government with providing direction to 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 the government and to Canadians on safety of vaccines. And, you know, there's been, I, I don't know, throughout this whole thing, there's been, part of it is, okay, well, the science is emerging on these things. They're literally brand new drugs. And maybe you don't know entirely the, um, the effects that, that are going to come from these things. As you see, you know, as you start administering them to millions of people, you start getting, you know, rare side effects emerge from time to time. So part of it is difficult, right? They're making decisions based on not having all the information, but they're trying to make the best decisions they can. So in some sense, you know, it's, it's almost a no-win situation, but uh, it, it, it really, especially in this environment today where conspiracy is, is rife in media and people are always looking for some sort of like untoward aspect of, of something new like this. Um, you know, like how many times do we hear about vaccines and Bill Gates and microchips and all kinds of totally bonkers stuff about, about, um, about these drugs. So it's a really tough situation, but, um, in this case, you know, it's just another example of, of sometimes, um, sometimes when, when you, even though this is a scientific body, sometimes you need to add a mix of, political acumen and communications acumen to what is being mm -hmm. said. And it's not just about the science. How, do you know how to say the acronym? It, it seems weird. I've NACI. Do you just say it like that? I don't know. Naki. I don't know. NACI. It's weird. Nachi. I feel like having nachos now, <laughs> but I, I saw this great tweet from this woman, uh, Maureen Taylor. I don't, I don't know this one, but she's a physician assistant in infectious diseases, medical journalist, advocate for medically assisted dying. And uh, the obligatory retweets are not endorsements, but I saw something that she sent out today. It was a three part tweet and I thought it was uh, genius in terms of how she would have handled it. So here's, here are her tweets. If I did comms for NACI, this would be my take. Hey, Canada, COVID-19 cases are now so low and mRNA vaccine supplies are now so abundant that no one needs to expose themselves to even the slightest risk of VIIT, which is those blood clots, if they don't want to. Also, turns out there's evidence that the mRNA vaccine might provide marginally better protection from the Delta variant than AstraZeneca, but AstraZeneca is still pretty damn good. So there's no bad choice here. Whatever you choose, you've protected yourself well if you get two doses, and we thank you. Love, NACI. And that, to me, is amazing. I thought so, too. When you sent it to me, I read it, I thought, oh, fuck, that's good. Like, simple. Not like It wasn't overthought. It was factual. Just, it was really, really sharp. One of the things I love about it is... That And obviously, this is not an official corporate statement, but what I love about it is it sounds like people talking to other people. It doesn't sound like an organization speaking at you with this through this bureaucratic meat grinder mm -hmm. with these buzzwords and these really big, highfalutin words. It sounds like something you would say to a friend or a neighbor. And ultimately, the intention of it was good. It's putting everything in context. And she took a lot of really difficult, nuanced things and made them kind of simple enough for a 12 year old or a grandparent to understand. And so I really loved her uh, three tweet little thread that she sent out. Uh, me too. When you sent it to me, I thought this is a, this, this is a great example of how to do it. Uh, I think the problem is, is that it's easy to do that. If, if you have the, if, you know, if it's just you tweeting or just you writing it on your own, but in any go uh, government organization, the same thing for companies too. There's this, there's a, the corporate bureaucracy or the government bureaucracy of, you know, the, the comms team of 15 people who are working on it. And then it goes up to the legal review. And before you know it, it comes back and it's, you know, it's, it's seven pages long and, and it's impenetrable. And, you know, what are you really saying? Everyone thinks they're a great communicator. Yeah. Not everyone, but, but too many people. And, uh, it's uh, it's interesting because it's when when it's done really well, it looks easy, 
And there's that old expression that easy reading is, is difficult writing. And I think that's a, a great example of that, that it's, it's hard to kind of nail those things down succinctly. And I thought she did a great job, but that organization really needs to either hire some great communicators or shut the hell up because they are, they're, they're not, they're not helping. It seems to me that they're making things worse and, and there, there might be nice, empathetic, altruistic people working there, but until they get their communications um, office in order, I, I don't think they're helping anyone uh, as we hopefully emerge from this pandemic. So there is one more thing I wanted to, 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 to mention. It was the Fox report. Yeah. thing. Did you, 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 you remember this? So, um, and this is another one. Do you think we should play the clip or play, just kind of play, play, play the clip? Because I think it's interesting to hear it. All right, we'll see what happens. Across the region, Fox 26 reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to AC units. This one broken down as we. So I love that you got to the weather report at the very end, though. That was nice. <laughs> so when I first started watching that clip, I started watching and thinking, is something going to happen with a guy behind her? What's, yeah. <laughs> what's yeah, And then I started listen, I'm listening to it and thinking, what the fuck? Like Project Veritas <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. It, it is a super crazy organization for people that don't know it. It's, it was founded by this. Um, I don't even want to call him conservative because I think it, it, it's, it, it's not fair to conservatives to call him conservative, but basically a guy who has made it his mission to try and show that the mainstream media is biased against conservatives and corrupt, but he does it by trying to entrap journalists in fake, news stories like there was one famously a couple of years ago where they tried to entrap the Washington Post in a whole scheme involving a fake story and like the post reporters are pretty smart people and they're like, they're we're not born yesterday and it was pretty obvious it was it was a it was a it was a whole ruse and they called them out and then you know it, it sort of they did end up doing a story about the whole fabrication that Project Veritas was constructing. So I'm watching this clip and thinking, what is the reporter doing? Like, what, what, what is going on? Journalism career suicide, I think is what she's What's doing. that? She's committing journalism career suicide. I would say so. Yeah. Like she's not going to be working for Fox News or not, maybe she has a, a, a promising career with Newsmax or OAN or something in the US after this. But it, it's one of those examples. I remember there was an, another example where a journalist, I think she was starting a cannabis company or something. And she did like a big, a big F you on the way out <laughs> on the air and then went on to do the weather report or something. And then, you know, was never seen of again, but uh, uh, I, this is, this is just crazy. What, what was, what was your thinking around it? Uh, I was thinking, first of all, like the, and maybe it's just my career mindedness. And you're always, I, I did this talk to a bunch of students um, a couple of weeks ago, like on zoom, obviously. And I said, uh, one of the tips for your career is imagine you, you play uh, red dead redemption too, right? Have you played that mm -hmm, game? Mm -hmm. And you have this, um, I forget what they call it, but it's kind of like your honor score mm -hmm. and you can click on it anytime. And basically like if you shoot a dog, just walking down the street, you lose a couple points. If you help a lady get into the thing, you get a couple points. And so, there's this meter of your kind of reputation that you can see at any time and it has impacts on the game. And I tell, I told people, imagine that you had that thing over your head and that people could see it um, visibly kind of like your Twitter profile or your LinkedIn profile. They could see your reputation score. I said, when it comes to making decisions about your career and your work, make the decision that's going to boost that thing up and that will help you in your career. And it's a very kind of hallmarky kind of nice thing to say. And all I remember thinking as I'm watching this is, oh my God, <laughs> it's just going down from a, from a LinkedIn, from a career. She's young. She looks like she's in her twenties. What are you going to do for the next 50, 60 years? Cause I don't think it's going to be journalism. Who would hire her after that, that stunt? 
um, you know, journalism, there's a, there's a huge amount of trust in there and you're, you have this information and like they're trying, you know, most of them are just trying to do their jobs. Of course, there's there's bozos on 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 each end of the spectrum who are, you know, bending things and have a huge bias. But in the middle, they're just trying to tell stories and do their job. And I found I, I was just thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe that she's doing this to her career. And hopefully she has a trust fund or she has the winning lottery ticket because I just I'm like, who? And it's such a high profile thing. 2.7 million views on that video so far. And the next thing I'm thinking is who the bleep in the control room didn't hit the button and turn it off. Like as soon as you hear, I found a nonprofit like boop. Okay. And sorry, <laughs> we're back to Jill in the studio. Like what, who was sleeping at the switch there? Unless somebody was in. On That's it. a good point. Know. You know, the, the irony is of course though, is that reporter, she's, she's imagining the, the, the reputation bar of her head just bursting at the other end <laughs> as she's saying this. Yeah. Uh, but time will tell, but time will tell. Yeah. I don't know. You know, she, she never mind her own career. It, it, it actually like it's, it's an episode that for, for a profession that's already under a lot of pressures. It is every one of these little episodes. Just is like another rock on the pile, making it harder yeah. and harder for the whole profession. Or you might even say another brick in the wall. If you want to bring things full circle. Well All right. I'm going to ask you for a prediction. Habs and Golden Knights tonight. What's going to happen? It's uh, it's going to be four one Vegas tonight. All right. Well, we'll see. So, we'll so see when Ve- when when the captain of Vegas gets knocked out and they lose five three, you'll know why because I made the prediction. Isn't, isn't there Captain Mark Stone? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, is he the captain? Yeah, yeah. So I can't, like, he's in my hockey pool. I can't have him getting knocked out. Well, I'm not saying he will, but I hope he doesn't. Mm-hmm. All right. Great chat. Have a great weekend. Likewise. And uh, I can't wait for the next batch. Like, again, every week we start out with a blank slate, and by the end of the week we've got, like, 24 stories to talk about. Amazing. Thanks, Warren. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.